Hi, everyone. All right, we're getting ready. This is Radio MVP, the Valley's Most Valuable Podcast. This is our sports edition. I'm Tim Continental, along with Anthony Kepley, as we bring you each and every week. We took a little break here the last two weeks. We've been working on our website, trying to get some stuff done, and uh, just uh, some personal stuff getting in the way. But we've got most of that taken care of. I know Anthony had a good week. He uh, went up to progressive field i won't call it the jake no more yes i will um but you uh got to go to opening day lucky guy yeah it's uh it's always a thrill uh, to have baseball back especially going to opening day this year uh, when you're coming off the american league pennant like we were last year um and just to have baseball back it was my second or third opening day um there's nothing like it opening day is yeah and there's it, it's special yeah and Whatever team you go to, I, I mean, opening, it, I was going to say opening day in baseball is different from any other sport. It is a national holiday in a lot of respects. It's like a Fourth of July. It's it's like Christmas Day. However you want to celebrate your, if it's Easter morning, whatever you, however you celebrate your holidays, that's what opening day is. It's the start of spring. It's start of baseball season. People love it. You know it's going to be every day for the next six months. And, you know, you're very excited, especially being the Indian fan that we are because they are favorites to uh, repeat as American League champions, definitely favorite to repeat as Central Division champions. I recognize we're only in the first week, 10 days of the season. We'll let the, the entire season go by. We'll have a lot to talk about there. However, other great news in sports is YSU is back on the front page over the last couple weeks as they have made their hire as uh, Calhoun. Jared Calhoun is our new head coach in men's basketball as guy we were campaigning for and hoping to see get the job. He has hired his coaching staff and he's brought along his top assistant and brought in two others. We'll talk about that a little bit. And we got the NFL draft. Got a little everything going on. Glad to have you back. Sorry it took us a little delay. Good news is our website is being built and it should be up here soon. Once it is ready, we will release it to you. We have a Facebook page that's ready to be released. And we do have a Twitter we can release to you right now. That is Radio MVP Pod at Radio MVP Pod. And we'll be tweeting that out as much as possible. So we want you to follow it and get us going. And uh, we're going to try to uh, promote ourselves uh, through social media up and down. And we're looking at the possibility of starting a YouTube page. So stay tuned for that. So there's just a little update about Radio MVP and what we're up to. And uh, But it should be a lot of fun as uh, we are ready to start get this going here as the football. Or excuse me, as spring football is coming to its conclusion, Major League Baseball has begun. The NBA playoffs are underway starting today. The Cavs seeded number two overall, so we'll get into that a little bit. So a lot of little things to get into, a lot of fun things to talk about. But first, let's get into YSU. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm glad to see Calhoun get the job. We talked about this was a referendum on the university to get this hire and to get it right. And to uh, make a statement about the men's basketball program that has been really doormatted for the last 30 years. What Jared Calhoun brings, first of all, is a winner. The guy has won everywhere he's been. He's coming off a national championship game appearance. It didn't go the way he wanted. But in his past three seasons, he was 81-17. and 17. 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> when's the last time we won 81 games three seasons here? When's the last time you had a home-winning season? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, it hasn't happened often. And I think his style of play is something that Valley fans, once they get accustomed to, will absolutely thrive over. It is fast. It is energetic. It is in your face. It's a blue-collar work ethic. Well, you know, like you say, uh, you mentioned the last time we talked, you know, here's a Northeast Ohio guy, you know, from the Cleveland area, you know, Akron area. Now he's going to be here at Youngstown State. Uh, this is what, you know, this is what it's about. You know, he knows what he's getting involved to. He's a young, energetic guy who wants to succeed, uh, like any other coach, by the way, in my opinion. Uh, they all have the same goals in life of succeeding. But I think this is a guy who really can rocker ship this program up to a status that we've been wanting to see for many years, uh, compete for a Horizon League championship to get it to the NCAAs. This is an opportunity, and he needs to do that to promote his career. I mean, obviously, every win he gets will move him one step closer to his next goal, whatever that may be, and that's okay. I have no problems having a guy with ambition to grow and to get to the next level. Listen, we're not going to take the quantum leap if you want to call it that, and become favorites to win the conference next year. No, Let's it doesn't happen overnight. But when was the last time you sat here on April 15th and you were excited about YSU basketball coming up? I mean, it has been a long time. And that's not a shot at any of the past former coaches or players or teams. It just hasn't been there for one reason or the other. And, and this year with the backcourt we got coming back and a guy in Calhoun that... His system is centered around a solid backcourt. I think you'll see marked improvement. It may not show on the record. Who knows? Well, he's hired his coaching staff, Mark Richmond. His top assistant at Fairmont is uh, coming to Youngstown with him. He has Horizon League experience. He was an assistant coach at Cleveland State. Jason Slay's coming. Paul Molinari's coming also. So it's a brand-new coaching staff. And with experience at the Division One level, and that is uh, very important. And I think that's going to give YSU basketball that ener- that energy and the interjection that they needed so much over the last five years. You know, they this just such an important hire for this program and and for the university's sports program because this you know I've mentioned it many times in the past. YSU's basketball should be an economic engine for this university and needs to be an economic engine for this university. And the way that happens is you have a successful program. It has to be successful. You can't be just a football program. You must be both in today's day, especially when you're one of the few schools that compete in the Horizon League that plays football and basketball. You know, you, you're in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. You're in the Horizon League in basketball. You have to try to compete in both. And now that I look at YSU's, you know, men's sports, and you see, you know, Polini leading the the football program, and you see Calhoun now re- leading the basketball program, you know, it's good vibes. I feel, I feel confident that they're headed in the correct, you know, direction. It, it was a much-needed interjection in the last few years with these two hires. Yeah, and I don't want to... Um, keep beating a dead horse or sound redundant and say, well, it feels like the 90s again. Because, let's face it, the 90s around here, for anybody that was here, those are times that probably will never be matched. 
But the feeling, like you said, Tim, is excitement. In football, we're excited. Men's basketball, we're excited. Women's basketball, we got three girls come back who are starters. Should be top of the conference. Baseball is coming off a win over Kent State, ranked number 30 in the country, while beating Georgia Tech a couple months earlier. So they're getting in the right direction. Women's golf just won another tournament. No shocker there. They're really good, and they're on a roll early. No, and let's face it. The YSU's athletic program has always been pretty good with the, uh, the what I call the minor metal sports. You know, in the sense, if you look at the golf, the tennis, you know, the volleyball. Track you know, and field. With track and field with uh, Brian Gorby and what he has done over the last 20 years, just leading that program, done a terrific job. And, I mean, the athletes that he's turned out and the stellar performances they've had over the last 10, 15 years, just it's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, he's he's a lifer, and I love it. You know, I mean, he's a kid I knew uh, growing up. I'm proud of what he has achieved at YSU and what he continues to do. And, you know, like I said, but they, those sports uh, don't grab headlines. No, they're not going to bring in the big-time athletes, and they're not going to like they're not going to get people talking. You get headlines in the Vindicator. You may get us to talk about it for a few minutes, but the headline is 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 a blip on the radar. Yeah, they're not going to get the you. ones that you're going to pay attention to at YSU are three sports, and that is YSU football, YSU's men's basketball, and YSU ladies basketball. And that's just the bottom line. The women's program is very important to the YSU's athletic department, and they have done it. Not taking anything away from the other sports, and they have achieved achieved some really great success recently and hopefully it will continue and we'll talk about them when they when they have their big days and they deserve that but for this program to succeed it needs those three programs to compete in their leagues and that's just the bottom line and right now you have two of those three who are winning i i know this past year for the ysu women's team was you know I down you but when you have all those injuries you're not going to compete i mean no i mean everything comes in cycles so right now the the football program and the women's basketball program is rolling with recruiting on the field. The the rolling and off the field, they're getting the job done in the classroom, and they're you know no major violations, no nothing. No, and it's exactly what you're looking for. I think the this is what you know the blueprint shows, and we'll see what um you know a Jim Trestle led university looks like in the athletic department over the next few years. He's done you know. A terrific job, in a sense, of letting this program grow as a whole. And uh, we'll see where it leads to, you know, in the long run. But, you know, obviously, uh, Coach Calhoun hasn't won a game yet, hasn't competed in a conference yet, hasn't recruited a player yet. But those t- those moments will come. And, and I'm looking forward to each and every moment along the way and seeing this program have an opportunity to, for the first time, in 20 years, compete for a conference title. And it won't happen overnight. It may take two, three years for it to happen. But I expect to see an improvement in the in the body of work that we're going to see next year because of the excitement that he's going to bring in, the new style, and the players that he'll bring in along with the players that he inherited. Yeah, and, you know, the Horizon League could be having a change in the guard, so to speak. Yeah. You know, if Valparaiso loses Alec Peters... He moves on to the NBA, and with Wichita State now joining the American A.N. now, correct. that opens the door for the Missouri Valley in basketball to the target of Valparaiso, which there's been mutual interest in the past. That would be a big loss for the conference nationally, but it would be 
big in the f- fact that you get a power out of there, it maybe gives you more recruits to look the at only, YSU. You know, obviously the v- Missouri Valley plays both football and basketball. Uh, not every school plays football, so that helps. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think it's possible, and I, I can't blame any school who has an opportunity to Im- to improve themselves in an athletic uh, performance, you know, in a league. If they can move on like Butler did, I don't blame them one bit. And I can't blame uh, Valpo if they have the opportunity to join Missouri Valley. It's a huge step up. It's a lot more money involved for the university, much more exposure. They do not have the football program in a sense of a Division One, so they don't have that worry. They, they'll probably stay a non-conference or, or non-scholarship football program, and then they're happy with that. And we'll we'll wait and see. We'll wait for the announcements. We'll wait and see what happens. There's that rumor. It could happen. I wouldn't be shocked by it. And in the same vein, I kind of hope it doesn't because I like the Horizon League to be as strong as possible. Yeah. I'm not saying it will happen. It just I floated out there uh, last week, week before that. Geographically, they fit. Yeah. Basketball-wise, you know they fit. Yep. So it is an interesting proposition for the Missouri Valley to figure out exactly what they want to do if they want to take a school that's going to prop up their basketball programs in the basketball league just like they did with Youngstown State in the football league years ago I mean that's exactly why Youngstown's the farthest east school that was because they wanted the history of the football program and what it brings to the Missouri Valley football conference and you know the old gateway conference if you remember and that's exactly what, you know, opportunity is. Well, I think it can happen. If it does happen, good for Valpo. Uh, not the end of the world for the Horizon League. There's always opportunities to look around for themselves and see what goes on further. But uh, I'm not concerned about it on, the, on, a, on a big thing. You know, you can't control what another school mm-hmm. does. You can't control what another conference chooses to do. Just like, you know, you look at the big picture, uh, you know, like, the Big Ten, when it expanded, you know, east and took in Maryland and took in Rutgers, you know, those things happen. That's just the nature of the beast of college basketball and football. It is a huge money maker, and these schools are going to do what's best for them, and these conferences are going to try to recruit what they believe is best for them, and that's just the bottom line. I don't care if you're the Horizon League. You know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, you name it. You know, if there's an opportunity to expand and you believe it's going to help the visibility of your conference, you're going to do it. Yeah, now let me say this. As a Valpo alum, I'm not sure it will be met with much um, fervor, so to speak. It won't because there are a lot of Valparaiso alums in the Milwaukee, Green Bay area that do have a lot of Big followings. If you watch some of the Valpo Milwaukee games, there's 60, 40 Valpo fans there. And they get a lot of alumni, you know, to come to Youngstown and go to Cleveland State. So, you know, with that, you do have the traditional rivals with Detroit and Wright State and Oakland. You know, whatever they decide to do, they'll do within the best interest of their of their programs. That's just the way it program, works. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, you know, I, I'm just going to wait, have a wait and see attitude uh, and hope for the best for the Horizon League, hope the best for Youngstown State. And, uh, you know, let's uh, move forward. I mean, I love what the Penguins have done. 
this offseason. They've made the right move. They hired a young, aggressive coach who has succeeded in the past, who has ambitions to move forward. And these are the things that matter. And if you can do those things, you know, YSU basketball has an opportunity. And that's the most important thing. It's been 30 years, 20 years since they've had a real competitive basketball program. And it'll, it takes it takes time to build. But, you know, it's kind of like the old uh, adage. If you build it, they will come. And I honestly, truly believe the Big League Center will be packed again once this team has an opportunity to develop, grow, and compete. And once you see those things happen, the idea of playing between you know friends and family and uh, pets, they'll be done. You'll see uh, much of a, uh, a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 seat uh, gymnasium again. And it's going to be a lot of fun because anybody who's been there in the past when it's been packed, you know, back in the day when Cleveland State and Youngstown State had some big runs on ESPN and that, or you go back in the 90s when Valpo and, and Youngstown State had a little rivalry in the old league, yeah, it could be a lot of fun, and it could be more of a weekly occurrence versus a one or two game thing, and I can't wait for that possibility. And I think in the university's level, it has to happen. And we have a person now, a coach in Calhoun, who can lead this program, you know, to the promised land. Let me let me be a happy man and see that NCAA birth. I've been waiting. I've been waiting since 1981. I've been knocking on the door a couple times, but it's not ever happened. I've more, uh, I can't wait to actually see them on a bracket. You know, I've watched the tournament expand from 48 teams to 54 teams to 64 teams to 68 teams. So, or 65, 68. But uh, needless to say, all that expansion, YSU's never been there. It has to happen. It has to happen. There's too many good people who follow this program who've uh, rooted for it over the years not to see this YSU program have that opportunity to celebrate and go dancing. <laughs> God, it sounds so good. I know I'm dreaming right now, but I want it to happen. I've been wanting it to happen for, well, like I said, since 1981. And, uh, We'll see. We've seen a lot of coaches come and go. This is our latest one. And right now, because it is the time of the year, it's probably the most exciting one. If there's any truth uh, to the saying, winning an offseason, YSU won the offseason this year, big time. Yeah. No, you hit it on the button there. All you right. won the offseason. Uh, you have momentum going forward. And, you know, let's just see how it goes. And, you know, the kids that stays and, you know, the recruits he brings in and, We'll go from there. Yeah, we'll see what We'll see what the Penguins do. See if they can fly come uh, November. And uh, we'll get into the football season. Of course, the uh, spring practice came and gone. Uh, no uh, red and white game this year because of the weather conditions. And as they canceled that a couple weeks back, about like, 10 days ago, I guess. Yeah, know? last week. And I think that's the best thing to do. You were low on numbers. What are you going to get accomplished in the spring game anyways? You know. Yeah, unless you knew you were going to get three, 5,000 people there, then there's no reason to do it. And they honestly... At this stage of the game, probably wasn't going to happen. And, you know, it's just weather was not cooperative, and it happens. And you move on. But uh, Ohio State has their game actually uh, today, yeah. and they're playing as we speak, I believe. But uh, the, the Scarlet and Gray game, so we wish them well and no injuries and continue to uh, move forward. And other uh, colleges will be having them throughout the next week. I know Michigan has theirs uh, today, too, and a few others. And that's this time of the year. You have a lot of that. But. More than anything spring means to me is Major League Baseball is back. 
we talked about it briefly in the, as we opened up. Uh, you had a, uh, a wonderful uh, opening day, yes, a nice I, yeah. extra inning ball game. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was fun to be back at the Jake. It will always be the Jake to me. It's just good to have baseball back. But more importantly, it's good to go into a season with, there's always optimism. But expectations. But legitimate reason to be hopeful. You know, there is. I went in 2008, uh, coming off the ALCS against Boston, and I was hopeful that year. And we beat the White Sox 10 to 8. I I told my cousin, plan for October, we're gonna go back. And while well, we stumbled to 500, yeah. Um, you know, so what can you really garner from opening day? Not much, but. It's always nice to win. Well, you know what? It's you look nice at, to win. Here's what I love about the Indians, what they did this offseason, what they brought in. You know, we said goodbye to a few fan favorites. You know, obviously, Rajah Davis will always be remembered in Cleveland for that home run and what he meant to the, this team. Obviously, Nappy and what he brought to the uh, organization. And, you know, it's weird to see him not in the Indians uniform this year. But you brought in, you know, Edwin Incursion. I mean, this guy's going to hit 35 home runs. This guy's going to drive in 110 RBIs. It's just a matter. Yeah, I know he's off to a slow start, but the bottom line is he's just, you can't pass up stuff like that. And you had an opportunity to improve yourself. You did. I'll tell you what, I'm excited about Boone Logan being in the bullpen. I think that is one of the most unsung signings this past offseason for the uh, Indians. I mean, it gives them that second lefty in the bullpen, a guy who's very good, tough against left-handers. You look at his numbers against lefties, and that was done at Coors Field, for goodness mm-hmm. sakes. Uh, it tells you everything. You know, obviously, any pitcher can have a bad day, but in a long run, I think that is a huge signing. And, you know, you look at the, the outfield, is it, it's interesting outfield now. I mean, they, you know, it keeps making changes as, uh, you know, Tyler Naquin just, just got sent down to make room for Lonnie Jusenhall to come back. But that's all right. I heard he was upset. He should be upset. He should want to be in the majors. I love that. And uh, But he's the right guy to go down. Mm-hmm. El Monte gives you a left-hander and a right-handed bat with speed who can play all three outfielders positions. And that is something the, the Indians need right now. You know, Austin Davis, I mean, Austin, uh, we'll see how he does in the long run. I love what what the Indians are trying to do and where they're at. And they're starting pitching. You know, hey, you got Kluber. You got Salazar. You got Bauer, who's, you know, maybe a fourth or fifth starter, but he's a guy who can give you innings. You know, he's a guy who can get you 200 innings this year. And that's huge as a starter. Don't forget about late. Carlos Carrasco, Oh, too, my God. He may, who he, I think has looked. The He's best the best of the pitcher. Indians five starters right now. I was going to say, he has the best stuff on the staff. Right. You talk to any scout, you talk to anybody who follows baseball, Carlos Carrasco is the number one pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, meaning what his stuff is. On any given day, he has terrific, terrific uh, movement on his pitches, and that's the key. He's going to be huge. Him and him and Kluber, they stay healthy. Here's your one-two punch. You add a Salazar to that. And then a Bauer. And then if Mike Tomlin, or not Mike Tomlin, excuse me, Josh Tomlin uh, comes around and uh, is able to, to be what he has been in the past, I mean, it, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice bona fide uh, rotation. Uh, Tomlin might be the weakest link of the three, or the five, I should say, but 
Uh, you know what? He's a bulldog. I love his attitude. I love what he brings. I love his his ability to uh, hang around and do the right thing. You know, he's going to get hit. There's times he's going to get hit. It's just what you get with a pitcher who throws 91 miles per hour, who lives on the off-speed stuff, and challenges hitters. And so there's times where he's going to give up five, ten runs a ball game. You know, it's just going to happen because he's going to give up a three-run dinger or maybe two of them. And those things happen. What you have to do is what he did the first half of last year, gave up solo home runs, you know, and then move on. And that's, you know, that's a – but you look at the Indians pitching staff, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, it's unconventional lineup with Santana still leading off, but – I understand it. I like being a little different. It reminds me years ago, um, in this back in the uh, '80s, Mike Hargrove let, let off for the Indians. People don't realize that, but he actually bat- batted leadoff one year for the Indians. Well, I mean, he was slow as <laughs> slower than you know the calendar. But you know what he did is got on base. He got walks. He got on base, and and Carlos is going to do the same thing. You know, is it? The prototypical leadoff hitter? No. No. But <laughs> you know what? Kenny Lofton. I, look at the Cubs. And I'm going to say, you know, look at the Cubs. They're top three hitters. They all bat one, two, three. Not one of them would you consider a leadoff hitter. Mm-mm. But you, what you want is your best hitters up front batting the most. And that's what I think the Indians are trying to do with Santana batting leadoff. He is, you know, a guy who can bat 260, 270 on a good year. Maybe even better on an all-star year if he has one, you know. But he brings power. He brings a little speed on the uh, deceptive speed on the base path. He can go first to third. He can do certain things. You know, he's not going to steal 100 bases. He's not going to spill 20 bases. But he'll probably pick up about 10 or 12 during the season. And that's not, okay. that's not bad for what he is. But he can run the base as well. And that's what you want out of a leadoff hitter, a guy who can get on base, who can move first to third, who can tag up and move from second to third on a tag up or come home on a uh, on a fly ball. Those are the things that matter because you have to score when the opportunity is there. What Santana gives you right off the bat, listen, is he going to hit 280, 290? Probably not. But he's going to work that count, 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, and right off the bat, pitchers don't want that. They want the quick ground ball, fly ball to get into the game, get a routine, and get out in their one and get rolling. You know, Right off the bat, you get a guy that that mm-hmm. that draws a lot of full counts. He's going to walk a lot. And then you set that up for Lindor. And when Kipnis come back, Kipnis. And now Brantley, maybe, hopefully, after Tuesday's walk-off, uh, will get going. Um, and that hopefully can well, ease. You look what you did. You added a Brantley to your lineup this year. You've added you know, an Incarcion to your lineup this year. And... Maybe the biggest ad that no one's going to be talking about for a while, but potentially could be the the uh, the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball is Yanny Diaz. What Yanny Diaz brings to this lineup and what he does with a bat is is unbelievable, guys. This is this kid is truly special. That's why he made this team. I honestly truly believe Yanny Diaz is going to be that. Special player long-term for the Indians. And, you know, will he play some in the outfield? It wouldn't shock me if that happens. You know, and come trading deadline, we'll have to wait and see what the Indians need and what moves they make. But if you had a chip on the table and maybe moved, it's got to be Chisenhall. 
Yeah. And I like Chiz. I love Chiz. I think Chiz Hall's a great player. You know, a, a great fit for the Indians. Let me not a great player, but a great fit for the Indians. A guy who works hard. You know, yeah, st- no. But if there's one guy, I think, who has value that you may move as a starter is Chiz. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me. And the reason why you'd be willing to do that is because you have Diaz. Yondi Diaz was partially put on this opening day roster because it was hitting. Everybody said that About his 95% of the reason is because yeah. it was hitting. And everybody kept saying, while he's good defensively, he needs a little work. But I tell you what, the play he made on Tuesday night in the eighth inning when Andrew Miller was on the yeah. mound on the line drive saved two runs in the ballgame for you. Oh, and he's making plays left and right in the field. You and, know, is he there yet? No, he's not there. He's, he's, a work of he's only ten games, nine games into his major, major league career. career. Exactly. But for a guy that, while he's got work on his fielding, Diaz looks pretty dang good to me. You know, right now I think the Indians' biggest problem is just in their typical April for them. It's getting that one big hit or one big game to finally calm the nerves and get going. And I think when you bring a veteran back like Kipnis in a week or two, that will calm everybody down. Uh, let's be facing. Oh, is yeah. Encarnacion going to hit 196 for the year? No. But right now, he is trying to earn his contract. And it, and that's understandable for anybody that's coming in to a new city, a city like Cleveland especially, when they just made the World Series, should have won the World Series, and people are wondering if he made the right move or not. You know, he left a nice situation in Toronto to come here. You know, it... I think he'll calm down. I think he'll relax. Every team has an identity. This team is still finding its identity. Obviously, last year, part of the identity was what Napoli brought to the Brawl Club and, you know, and his relationship with the different players. And this team has, you know, does not have uh, Kipnis in the lineup yet. And he was probably more the vocal guy who would have took over that role. Mm-hmm. And also, you look at, you know, changes. You, you just, you lost some players. Some veteran players are gone. Some new veterans are in. It's a different look and sound to the team in the, in the locker room. It's going to take some time to find its identity. But it, it will get there. I'm not concerned 10 games into a season. I'm not worried about, I mean, I'm disappointed to see a few losses. I'm disappointed to see, you know, the pitching staff fail a few times. But you know what? That's baseball. You're never going to be 100%. And... You, you, I'll take my chances with Kluber, Salazar, Carrasco, Bauer, and Tomlin every time. I mean, that, those five are going to give you an opportunity to win many ball games, And then you add this lineup, which, quite honest with you, in the long run, may be the best offensive lineup in the American League. Right as Tim says that, his fan favorite, Yandy Diaz, the base hip middle of Justin Verlander. So, so he heard you, Tim. There well, you he know is. What? I, here's, here's an interesting thing, you know, how baseball's gone analytics in the last 10 years, especially in the last five, six, seven years, and how they grade ball players and what they do. I, I was reading uh, just the other day, I don't know if it was Terry Pluto or if it was somebody else uh, that had it out there. But Yanni Diaz hits the ball harder than anybody else on this team. Yep. It, his exit velocity average is 95 miles per hour. And I think his... And that's what they're talking about. And when, when you hit the ball hard and it's hard on the ground, you're going to get base hits. You hit the ball hard in the air, you're going to get alleys. You're going to find the alleys. You hit the ball hard in the air, you're going to get home runs. Uh, what he brings to this lineup 
in my opinion, and I'm not comparing him to a Manny Ramirez, but he's the same type of player in a sense that he's going to drive in runs. He's going to be able to hit the gaps, and he's probably going to be a smarter player in the long run than a Manning Ramirez. But, you know, the bottom line is you want production, and I think this kid has that potential to be a superstar. Now, will he be an all-famer potential superstar? I, I have no idea, but I definitely believe he can be an all-star player within the next two to three seasons. Come, you know, uh, two to three years down the line, Yandy Diaz, probably in the Indians' eyes, will be penciled in in that two, three, or full hole every night. Oh, yeah. And he's our third base from oh, the yeah. future. Well, you've Let's at... face it right now. He's our third base from the future. Sure. You'll find a place for Ramirez with a contract. Um, Ramirez, is, Ramirez is great because he can play anywhere. You can put him in the outfield. You can put him in the infield. He can play anywhere. And he, he'll respond. And I'm not worried about Ramirez and where he plays. He'll fi- they'll find room. There's always room in a lineup for a hitter. You find a way. If it's a DH, if it's in the outfield, if it's in the infield, they'll find a way. Just like, you know, Santana. When they moved him out of the catching position, he went to first base. He actually went to third base and then first base, and now he's playing a little in the outfield. The bottom line is, if a guy can produce with the bat, you'll find a place in the field for him. I don't care if it's American League or a National League. In American League, you have the option of the DH, which, God, I wish the National League would do. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what. Let me let me go on a little tangent here, and just throw this show throw this out to you. No, I'm, I'm just I'm talking about the DH here. I I hear this. Oh, the DH is terrible, and all this. All I'm an American League guy. I grew up my whole life with the DH. I don't have a problem with the designated hitter. Here's my suggestion to the Major League Baseball to to put this once and for all over. Just like every other decision in baseball, make it a manager's decision. If he wants to hit his hitter, wants to hit his pitcher, that's fine. If the manager wants a DH, let him use it. I don't care what ballpark they're in. I don't care what league they're in. If you want to wear, if you want to put a DH in the lineup, you can do that. If you want to have Madison Bumgarner hit, you can do that. Well, there's no reason not to. It's a manager's decision. Let them make the decision. If they want a pitcher to hit, they, it doesn't matter. If you choose to use your pitcher and I choose to use a DH, so be it. Let it be a manager's decision. If the manager thinks he has a better hitter in a pitcher, let him bat. If he believes he has a better pitch, a better hitter off the bench, let him bat. I have no problem with it. Let it be a manager's decision and end this lousy, boring, 35, 40-year-old debate. Yeah, I think we got to become a uniform decision. Either you use the DH or not. And it, like Tim said, I agree with you. Make it up to manager's discretion. Because right now, if I'm Bruce Bochy, every fifth day I'm throwing Mass and Baumgartner out there, I want him hitting. Hey, you might even use him as a DH in, in a certain situations. I'm not saying you would, but, but you, you possibly you may choose and to And the Reds that. have a reliever. Yes. Who got their second most pinch hit appearances well, last well, year. Who and it, went deep last week. Now, now, I can't remember this guy's name, and I apologize ahead of time. Oh. I should look it up. For San Diego, who is going to be the hybrid player, who's going to mm-hmm. pitch and play in the infield and outfield. So, uh, no, his name ain't Martinez if you're an Indians <laughs> fan. I just thought I'd throw that one out there. However, 0.0 ERA right now for Mike Martinez. He's leading the Cy Young voting. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, my point is, this is baseball today. This is how things are changing. You know, we're going to see more interchanging parts. You know, I, I'm convinced to my core 
if the Chicago Cubs could use a DH, they would. Yeah, I, without a doubt. You have Kyle Schwarber. Exactly. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a question With, in my mind. If they could every day, they would. And let me ask you this, because I firmly believe this after painfully uh, watching games 1-7 through seven last year against the Cubs. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are a different team with Kyle Schwarber in the lineup. And oh, there's no question. And the four games in Cleveland probably hurt the Indians because Schwarber did the most damage of anybody. Rizzo got his hits. Bryant, yeah. yeah. Ex- Father, anytime yeah. Anytime you can extend but- a lineup by a hitter, it's huge. That's what I'm talking about with the Indians, with, with Diaz, you know, and with Incursion this year. I mean, you're extending your... Your lineup, one extra bat, and that's going to be huge. And I mean, getting Brantley bat adds one extra bat to your lineup. And a guy who can run first and third, he can steal a few bases. I mean, this is where the Indians' offense long-term this season, I'm not concerned. They're going to score runs. They may score the most runs in the in the American League this year. It wouldn't shock me if they're top three and if they finish number one because they have the talent to do it. And you and we haven't even brought in the idea of what uh, Lindor brings to this lineup and what he can does each and every day offensively and not alone with the glove. I mean, it's this India's team is built for a run, a sustainable run meaning 2, 3 to 5 years and have an opportunity to succeed and they have to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of them. And you know, they did it last year. It's going to take time to get going this year to find their identity. But once they do, I really, truly believe, you know, it's going to be a fun, fun year. Uh, two things. Go right right as Tim was saying that, your leadoff hitter, Carlos Santana, just put a Justin Verlander fastball deep in the right field seat. It's 5 nothing Indians. They are smashing Verlander again. So that might be the recipe to get this offense back on track, as Tim was saying. Number two, Ellis Burks last year in April. I was reading an article with my cousin. And he said the Cleveland Indians are built for a 1990s type run. Yeah, built for disagree. a five to six year run, not a one to two year run. Oh, I agree. And like you said, the Indians' offense, yes, it it will get on track. There's too much talent in this lineup not to. The Indians are built to be to be a August, September, October team. That when you look down to it in game 140 through 162. The Indians are there. They're not built like the teams under Manny Acta. All due respect, is a good baseball man that got off to great starts in April and May, and then June came. Yeah, they're different teams. Season. They're totally yeah. different teams. I mean, you had a young team with inexperienced players, and you know some veterans hanging on to their opportunity to play at the major league level. It's just a different team now that uh, you know Terry Francona is here and what they have, what they have achieved. Uh, since he's really arrived, and some of the players have matured. I mean, you know, Jason oh, Kipnis has have has come into his own. You know, uh, Brantley has come into his own. You know, even though you missed him the entire season last Carlos year, Santana has Carlos played. Santana. I mean, these are the players that they they identified and they have come through. Now you're not going to hit everyone out of the ballpark, but this this is how your team is built, and they did it the right way. They went after pitching. And they've built this team around starting pitching. And they have a guy in Allen who is a quality closer. Is he the best closer in the world? No. But he's top five. Yes. I mean, the stuff yeah. that he had Look, on Tuesday he's gonna was the best saves. I've ever seen. He's not He's not going to blow ten saves, but he's going to have a few blown saves. Every reliever does. It's just the way it works. 
and I'm not concerned. But you look at the bullpen of the Indians. I mean, so you that's got the best bullpen. In, well, that's the like, most baseball. exciting They're bullpen right now. It's the most exciting bullpen in baseball. I mean, it reminds me in a lot of ways what Kansas City did a few years back and how they built their. You know, with Davis and others, when they had all that, oh, yeah, yep. all that, all that arm power coming out, of, you know, in seventh and eighth innings, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and the Indians now have that. I mean, they have the number one reliever in baseball in Miller, and then you add a, a Boone Logan from the left hand side. You have, you know, a Shaw who's who has been proven to be a good setup guy. You have uh, other players who have have contributed. I mean, it's just going to take time. I mean, is the, again, I honestly believe when the bullpen finds its identity, it's going to be shut down. When the when the offense finds its as a team finds its identity, it's going to score runs. And as a whole, you know, when you know you had the rallying cry party at Napoli's, you know, once they find their own rallying cry this year, whatever that may be, it's going to be fine. You know, it takes time. Every team takes time to find their identity, and when they find it. This Indians team is going to make a run. How big of a run? I don't know. But I know this. I really don't fear anyone in the Central in the Central Division. I do believe the Indians should win it handily, meaning at least by five games, if not more. I really do. I don't see anybody in the, in the American League Central who can really, truly hang for 162 games. Detroit starting rotation, if... If, and that's a big if right now, if Zimmerman can get back to a shell of his old self, they can compete with that lineup. Um, but that bullpen is terrible. And, and that's been a bullpen that's been terrible for and decades. We're really not now. worried about Chicago. No. Chicago's, no, rebuilding. Chicago's got Chicago's young pieces, rebuilding. but they're rebuilding. Yeah, they're Minnesota's rebuilding. They're a couple not years nowhere. away. Kansas City's and Kansas a team. City's terrible. Well, Kansas City is a team that may find themselves in the long run. But I don't know if they have enough pieces to get it all done for the entire season. No, and you know they may be close to five hundred. They may be a few games over or under. Uh, wouldn't shock me if they won eighty five games. Wouldn't shock me if they lost eighty five games. You know, and that's the way I look at Kansas City. And then you, you know, the Twins. I, honestly, good luck. I mean, they're off to a great start. Fantastic. Minnesota's got talent. Yeah, and but they they're got, building it. It's not ready to, to yeah, succeed be for the full season. Three or four years it's down like the such line. Such a marathon in baseball. I look at the Indians. They this team is built to win the Central Division and have an opportunity to make a run in the postseason. If you you know if Miller stays healthy, you know if uh, Allen stays healthy, if your starters stay healthy, pitching wise, you're going to be there. I honestly truly do. And then you add a bat with a Curcione who has the ability to knock the ball out on any given pitch. It's huge. And you add. The idea of Santana, you know, improving and becoming the the leader that he wants to be, I honestly do believe long term, this team has a chance to make a run. You know, maybe as good as we've seen in the mid nineties. I'm not sure if it's going to be quite as strong. Meaning, but this is a different built team, a different era, where pitching does matter more than ever before. I mean, the Indians teams in the nineties was built on offense with quality pitching and veteran pitching. This team is built with young pitching, star pitching, and really an offense that's just about to come into its own this year. And I'm excited. I really do believe long-term this this Indians team is going to have a chance to uh, really compete. You know, we'll see. I mean, obviously Chicago in, in the National League is going to be there. 
You know, I think the Dodgers have a chance to be there, you know, out west. Uh, in the east, who knows, in National League. I mean, obviously you look at the Mets. Mets and Nationals. Know, yeah, and the Nationals, exactly. It's a two-team race. Like I mean, the American League Central. It's a yeah. two-team race. And then you look at the American League. You know, obviously, you know, Toronto's off to a terrible start. We'll see if that continues. The Mark they should be better. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they the should Mark be better. The Mark Shapiro effect, ladies and gentlemen. It I, is... It is not a myth. It's a fact. The Mark Shapiro <laughs> effect. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I'm not. Uh, I think Shapiro's a decent guy. I think he knows baseball. I know. I think he they, is. He's a good he's baseball a good, man. I think he's actually a pretty darn good uh, executive. However, I understand what you're saying. You know, he's been he's he's conservative in his moves, and in his conservatory has hurt. The teams that he's represented, we'll see exactly. He's gonna, but he has a much bigger payroll than he ever did with the Indians out in uh, in Toronto. We'll see what happens there. I think long term, we'll see. I, I can't imagine their offense sputtering all season long. No, there's. But I'm not pushing the pan. There. I'm not pushing the panic button if you're a Blue Jay fan. But I'm concerned. But I'm not pushing the panic button. You know, this early in the season, at the end of April, you're still sputtering. And, you know, by May 15th, and you're still not driving in runs, then, yeah, then that red flag goes up big time. But uh, April 15th, I'm not, I'm not, two weeks into the season, I'm not throwing that flag up quite yet. I'm paying attention, but I'm not throwing it up yet. You know, and out west in the American League, it's a, it's a toss-up. I mean, Seattle could be there. You don't know. I just honestly, I know the Angels are rebuilding still. They do have the best player in baseball in Mike Trout. I agree with that. And, you know, obviously they need more pitching. The Angels have shown a bit of a fight, though, with these miraculous ninth inning rallies. If they can, (laughs) I don't think they'll hold up all season long, but you never know. No, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's a marathon, but we'll see. I'm I'm excited about the baseball season. Should be a lot of fun. Um you know, even the Pirates, I think, are going to be much improved than they were last year. Now, the Pirates today had four home runs at Wrigley Field. Yeah. I mean, the Pirates Pirates need to put a few runs together throughout the mm-hmm. season to keep their momentum going and to show the Cubs that they're not afraid of them and they're not going to run away from them. And I'm not sure they can win the division, but they can compete for the wild card mm-hmm. with a little break going their way, maybe making a, a move or two during the season. I definitely could see that as a possibility. They have a great outfield. It's just a matter, you know, will it produce? It should produce. McCutcheon is not going to have the same season he had last year. I just no. I can't imagine that. No, he's too good a player to have that. Um, and, and I just I see so much potential in that team overall. Their pitching is it needs improvement. It needs it needs uh, a little leadership. We'll see what happens. You know, they may find that guy during the season, or they may acquire that person. We'll wait and see. I mean, I, I if I was a pirate fan, I'm not, I'm not pushing the yeah, panic button. Yet. No, no, no. Speaking it's, of pitching, Corey Kluber has 40 pitches right now through two, now 41 pitches, 35 strikes. Would any win? We're in the top of the third. Okay, out of the eight outs. Five have been strikeouts. Three have been looking. He is 35 if you're a fantasy owner, strikes. you're happy. <laughs> Make that six strikeouts now. Kluber is absolutely mowing down the Tigers. Um, I said to my cousin last night, I texted him, if there is a hit that can get a ball club rolling, Chisholm Hall, your buddies, pinch hit, grand slam, yeah. might be that hit. 
because right now you come back after losing last night but fighting back. Um, you're up 5 nothing. I don't think the loss of Napoli is a 100% complete loss. No, Because I do think uh, there's an identity with this team, first and Look, foremost, and they're a fighter. In every game this year, they fought. There's a way to, like I said, it's all about identity and what you want to do. I think the Indians are finding their identity. It's only, you know, second week of the season. It's going to take time. Uh, they have the pieces in place. The leadership will come from within. Those who are, you know, with it's going to be younger. It's going to be Lindor. It's going to be, you know, Brantley. You know, the steady guy in the outfield who can get the hits and, and drive in the runs and, and steal the bases. You know, it's going to be Kipnis when he returns. You know, this is it's going to be Ramirez. You know, these are all the players that really were coached and kind of uh, tempered by Napoli last year, you know, who kind of led the way about how you approach the season, how you make it go, and how you, you know, lead a team. Doing and, things the right way. Right. Correct way. You know, the baseball way, as the saying goes. And speaking of Jose Ramirez, since I saw him on Tuesday, he's risen, he's raised his batting average almost by 90 points. Oh, yeah. Again, it's so early in the season, you're going to see that. All you need is, you know, you go four for five, you're going to change your batting average dramatically this early in the season. You know, once you get 100 at-bats, you'll get an idea of what they can do. 200 at-bats, you'll definitely know what they're at. Uh, But you got to get to that 100 at-bat. Uh, for a season, and then you'll see it. But I agree with you. You're going to, you know, obviously they were in a little slump there for a while. Give credit to the pitching they face. You know, combination of maybe players, you know, pressing like Incarcion and stuff like that. But in the long run, I'm not concerned. Like I said, I honestly do believe this offense will score runs, and it's going to score in bunches and have an opportunity to do uh, something that the Indians haven't done since the 90s, and that leads lead the league in, in scoring. And I honestly, truly believe the run score. The Indians are going to have that opportunity. They have the right mix of players up and down the lineup, and that's going to be the most important thing for the Indians. Support that pitching staff. Get get leads out early and let them just throw strikes. And I think that, in the end, will be the most important thing this Indians team uh, stat this year. How many games have they got the lead by the fifth inning and turned it over to the bullpen by the sixth or seventh inning? That You look at that stat this year, that will be the most important thing. How often have they had the lead after five? How often have they had the lead after seven? And and really, when you, uh, you know, when a Kluber goes seven innings and gets, you know, his eight to ten strikeouts and gives up two runs, and you're winning the ball game five to two. Yeah. Right now, the, you know, the pitching came into today with the worst team ERA. And I will say this, it's not good. But that bullpen has been lights out. Sands, one or two games, that bullpen has been, as advertised, straight nasty. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Cody Allen, like I said, look any better than he did Tuesday night going through Frazier, Abreu, and Cabrera. Look, what the experience these players went through last year in the playoffs and the pressure that they dealt with going through each round, up through the World Series, getting saves, getting outs, being the dominant force that they were is experience that you just can't buy. And I think in the end, that's, that's going to make a, a Cody Allen that much better. You know, and He's already pretty dang good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the pressure of it is huge and to be able to do it. I honestly think, you know, 
you know, a Shaw who's proven himself year in and year out of what he can bring to a ball club, his durability. There's no one that's been in more games than... 76 th- appearances last year? Yeah. There's, the last two years, no one's had more appearances in baseball. I mean, what he brings to a club, what he uh, that type of, of durability, it's, just, it's, it's inconceivable to have that type of a pitcher in your bullpen that you can count on. And now that you've added, you know, other pieces, you know, we'll see. It's going to take time. It's not going to be overnight. But I, I definitely like, like I said, I look at the Central Division. I don't see anyone really challenging them. And with all the games that they have within the division, I honestly, I think five games is a minimum. I think they'll win this division by a minimum five games, <sighs> if not more. Pitching wins you games. And you look at the Indians' top three, Kluber right now, let's say it, He's back to Corey Kluber. You know, the first two yeah. games, you know, he doesn't – he's not a good opening, start, opening day starter. Uh, second game, he had a little back tightness, okay. Uh, but today, he's back to old Corey the Kluber. The Bach is back. Uh, Carrasco <laughs> has looked straight nasty. And Danny Salazar, who I've been a critic of, has pitched nicely after his one or two mistakes he makes, and he's settled down. He's not making big mistakes. And, that, and really, come October – as Jose Ramirez is another bloop single. All you need come October is three really good starters. Yeah. And you know what Tomlin's going to give you. Are the guys going to battle? And if it weren't for Josh Tomlin last year, you're not making game seven in the World Series. Well, and bottom line is you need you actually need four starters in the in the playoffs. Four. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. You give me three. You can give me, give three, me three quality guys. Three I'll, I'll get by like with we, the fourth one. Exactly. I totally understand what you're saying. Three studs like the Indians have. Get me six, seven innings, and then Tomlin go out there and get five. If Josh Tomlin, as your fourth starter, can give you five good innings and you turn over to that bullpen, well, you're going to have a I, I'll say it again. Series. I'll say it every year since he's been here. I've been a fan of his going way back when. I uh, had conversations with many of my friends over the years that Tito is, is the man. Uh, I wanted him 15 years ago, and it didn't happen. He went to Philadelphia. And then when he got at Philadelphia, I wanted him back, and he went to Boston. But now he's here, and you can see the difference. You're trade you just team? can't. You cannot. You cannot. The the one who runs the ship matters in baseball. It truly does. I don't care. He could be kind of different, like a Madden in, in Chicago. He could be a solid guy, like a raw raw guy, like he does totally, unconventional. And sometimes he communicates like he with his told players. Me last week, that could be best. And as we say that. Your boy Lonnie Chisinau just put a two-run shot into the corner. It's seven nothing. There we go. So it's just a matter of time. You know, hey, the return of Lonnie Chisenhall has sparked this offense, and that's that's important. Like I said, this this team up and down has talent, left side and right side of the plate, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're going to have to find room for some of these guys. Um, it's going to be interesting. Too much I, talent is never a bad thing. No, too I'll, much I'll, talent with options. I'll find at bats. Ne- yes, if you're if you're You'll find at bats. You'll find innings for your pitchers. Trust me, it's going to happen. It's going to be a fun year uh, in Cleveland, and uh, I cannot wait as the season progresses. We're only second week of the season. A lot of baseball to talk about, but let's uh, switch gears real quick. Let me here. say this real quick. Okay. I was talking to a couple of Tiger fans last night, and they were all doom and gloom. And I'm, I'm like, you guys just beat us seven six. You only won four games against us last year, and they are all pointing back to. Our bullpen, our bullpen, our bullpen. There's no quick fix for a bullpen. There's no. not guys in the market right now. You 
No, you you're know, right. Your farm system isn't great. No, and that's that's and that could come back to be the Achilles. You look field. at the American League Central, and that's what I'm talking about. You got all these games within. You got 19 games against every opponent. Not one of them has the bullpen the Indians have. Not one of them has the depth of starting rotation the Indians have. That equals to a chance to win a lot of ball games within your division. And when that happens, you accumulate wins. You know, I don't care what division you in, you are in in baseball. With all the the games that you play on the schedule within your division, it matters. And that's where you're going to win your division is with your divisional games. The games against the West, the games against the East, they matter. But when you have this such a weighted division series now, you know, it just it matters. And let it's, me, it's huge. Let me ask you this. If I gave you, remember now, all bets are off, all right? If I gave you an over-under of 93.5 for the Indians' win total, would you take the over or the I'll under? take the over. I'll take the over. 93. Quickly, you say that. Yeah, I'll take the over, no problem. Because, again, I'll point back to you have all these games in the division. You're basically, you know, you're playing Detroit's, the Minnesota's, you know, and a weak division. The, let's face it, a weak yeah. division. Look, if the Indians average twelve wins against each team in a division, eleven really? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, if they average eleven or twelve wins, that's seven. That's twelve and five within your in your own division. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And if you go, like you said, eleven and six, you're still you you're winning two to one in your own division. And then you you play five hundred the rest of the way against the the other opponents. You're going to win a lot of ball games. It's just the way it works in baseball right now. All the games are in your division. That's why dominating your division is so important. Just like just like Detroit did for five years when Detroit had their run, they dominated the division. They were you could pencil them in every year. Just like Kansas City did the two years that they went back to back World Series, they dominated this Central. They won a lot of ball games within their division, and you have to do that. That's the way baseball is now. With the way the schedule's made, it is not an equal schedule. No, it's it is a way to schedule to your own division. If you can beat up on your own peers within your own division, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And can we get rid of interleague play, please? I mean, I, I like interleague away. play to an it's extent. It's never going away. But the second week of the year, I mean, it's maybe a- I'm old-fashioned. I'd rather see the Yankees and Red Sox come here more than once. I agree. I think, if, truth of the matter, if you, if I had to redo the, the schedule in baseball, and I don't think it'll ever happen because they love the divisional games, is I would I take it from 19 down to 16 mm-hmm. and add those three games against the East and the West within your own conference and you know or, or league, I should say, in baseball. But the bottom line is I don't think that'll ever happen. They love... The, what the divisional games brings to these teams and the rivalries they're trying to create. And baseball is never going to give up three extra games for Boston and Yankees. Mm. You know, the Red Sox Yankees is never going to be, uh, that's never going to be taken away. They're going to give them as many games as they can. And, you know, and that's just the way it works. Chicago and St. Louis, they don't want 16 games. They want 19 <laughs> games. You know, it's just the way it works in baseball. Uh, you know, that's the bottom line. They'll never take those games away from those teams because they want those markets. They want the ratings. They want what those rivalries mean to baseball. The Indians don't necessarily have that in the Central Division right now. But Detroit's you know, closest. Detroit and, and Kansas City are two potential players, you know, long term, you know, right now. We'll wait and see. I just think I look at the Indians and I think 
hands down, as if they play as well as they can within their own division, they they run away with it. If they struggle in their own division, it's going to be a long season. I just don't know how that's going to happen against the talent that they're facing. I take nothing away from what Detroit, you know, some of the, the veterans they have, but Detroit's going to sell those players. First opportunity they can move Victor Martinez, they're going to do it. First opportunity to move some of the uh, the outfield, they're going to do it. You know, and, and J.D. Martinez. They are in a rebuilding mode deep down. They just can't find a buyer. They want to unload these players. In Kansas City, if Kansas City struggles... They're going to unload that team, too, and start over. It's just the way baseball is. You go in cycles, and you have to be willing to, to build down, to, to build back up. And, you know, the Indians are right now are on the way up, while some of the members of the division are on the way down. And that equals a lot of wins. And speaking to Kansas City a couple of years ago, I've heard a lot of comparisons to that team that won the World Series and this year's Indians. There's a lot of similarities, but that year's Royals didn't have the pitching the Indians do. I mean, the Indians started no, the rotation. They had a great absolutely bullpen. Absolutely loaded. No, and yes, that team had Johnny Cueto, but this... Kansas City did what they had to do to win their division the and make themselves a contender to win the World Series. Those two years that they made it, they made their run. They were the best team in the, in the American League. They deserved the opportunity to win. You know, they came up short in the first World Series. You know, they made some moves. And the second time, the opportunity, they crushed it. They did a terrific job. And that is really the blueprint for baseball. If you're looking around the league, if you want a blueprint, it's what Kansas City did in the last five years, ten years, of building that team and to make the run they did. Chicago's in the process of that. They did the exact same thing. They tore it down to build it back up, and now they're having their run. The Indians are in the moments of their run. The Yankees will be getting there in the next two years. They may not get there this year. They may surprise some teams this year. I'm not saying they can't. I just don't expect it. I think they'll be a very competitive team, and they may make a wild card. I don't expect them to win the division, but anything's possible. It's so early in the season. We will have to wait and see. You know, But... They have talent coming the way, and when they get better, they're going to be very good, and they're going to be very good for a long time, especially with the payroll that they have compared <laughs> to the, the rest of the yep. league. Now we have some of a salary cap in baseball. It's going to change it a little bit, but we can get into that another day because it's already we've been here a little over an hour. We haven't even talked to the NFL, and I'll just uh, briefly say we'll get more into the NFL as we get closer to the draft. Uh, Miles Garrett. Number one to the Cleveland Browns. I can't imagine it not happening. It I know be. we see a smoke screen right now with Trubisky and the quarterback. I'll be shocked. I'll be disappointed. I'll be utterly frustrated as a Browns. I know <laughs> we can't punt on the quarterback, but you can't punt on a player of Garrett. Now, if they are able to uh, make a trade, like with San Francisco, to go down one and take that risk and say, well, we don't care which one we get, that's fine. I understand that. You can get extra assets and force uh, San Francisco to make that trade up if they want Trubisky. I don't know what their plans are. But, you know, that's part of the thought process. But you're going to hear a lot of rumors this time of the year. And that's exactly what you're the next two weeks. I don't think you'll see what you see last year with both teams trading away the first and second pick um, a week before the draft. I just don't see that happening. Where the Browns do, what the Browns choose to do, will be a mystery. But I do believe in the long run, you can get. Uh, I'd be shocked if Miles Garrett is not called first and will be a member of the Cleveland Browns. I just truly, I can't imagine that not happening. 
I would think it'd be a huge upset if Miles Garrett is not a Cleveland Brown. And there's nothing wrong with building your team around a pass rusher because you saw Seattle do that. Denver's done that. A lot of teams have built their teams with a quick edge rusher to get to the quarterback. And let me just go on to say this real quick. I don't want to go too much longer here, but uh, on a YSU connection, uh, Rivers, I expect him to go in the second round. I truly do. I think he's going to be the highest pick Youngstown State players since Ron Jaworski go in the second round. I would uh, love to see him come to the Mile High City. Team him up with Vaughn Miller, and you can make myself and possible. John Elway a happy anything's man. possible. I don't know what team's going to get him. You know, you look at what trades will be made and how teams will will make those moves. We'll have to wait and see. You know, because teams will be trading up and down. You know, throughout the uh, the process in the first and second round, and what teams make uh, that pitch. But I really expect him to come off the board by the the forty forty fifth forty fifth pick of the draft. I don't think he's going to last much longer than that. He's a top fifty ball player in my opinion, and he's going to be picked in the top fifty, if pro- probably a little header, a little higher than that. It wouldn't shock me if he's in the top forty, and it wouldn't even shock me if he goes in the first two or three picks of the second round. It wouldn't shock me at all. Don't be surprised either if Pittsburgh drafts Rivers because that's a team that needs an edge rusher, and he would fit perfectly in there. I know that makes a lot of YSU Browns fans anxious, but look, the Steelers are in an interesting mode right now. They have to make they have to make some big decisions about their future. Yeah, they're getting old fast. Exactly, and it'll be interesting to see what quarterback they go after. Do they make Landry him? Jones? <laughs> I really, truly mean that. It's going to be interesting to see what they choose to do because you have a, a quarterback who's taking the hits, his agent, who's talking about retirement within the next year or two. They have to make and make a move. They have to be bold. We'll see if they jump into some type of a, a quarterback trade or draft here in this draft. I don't know if they'll punt this year or not. They may. They may pass and try to go next year, which is a much deeper quarterback pool, they say. And we'll have to wait and see. But I think the the Steelers may surprise someone and take a quarterback. Not necessarily or make a move because they need to secure that position long term. Yeah, I don't. And and I think right now, last year, they learned that they don't have anyone behind um, Big Ben. And they need to make sure they have somebody at least they're grooming. Either A, they're going to trade for a veteran tra- you know, a quarterback to back him up, or B, that they'll find somebody that they believe in that they can either groom to be a backup or a potential starter past uh, Roethlisberger. Yeah, well, Landry wait, Jones is not the answer for that. No, uh, no, that's, no. It's not the he's answer. He's proven in, in the games that he's played. He's a career backup. Uh, he was a great player at Oklahoma. He just hasn't you know, really worked out. Um, I look forward to what the uh, what the draft brings. I know the Browns have a lot of potential moves. They have a lot of picks this year and the following season. So we'll, we can see if they make a move. I have no idea if they'll make a move for Garofalo or not. I have no idea. I mean, my thought process is if you can get a veteran quarterback with uh, who's young and has ability, then you have to do it because you have no quarterback. If they choose to punt on the quarterback again this year, you're going to be back in this situation next year, you know, looking for a quarterback. It's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have 
It's a major, just like YSU basketball has some major decisions to make. The Browns have some huge decisions to make about their future, you know. But I honestly, if they take a Trubisky number one overall, I'll be shocked simply because I just don't see him as that type of player. I think he's a player that you can possibly build around in the future, but he's not a guy who's going to come in and start for you tomorrow. And the Browns need someone they can build today around. And I'd rather have somebody I'll somebody else and, and move forward and, and take the best defensive lineman, best player off the board, and you know, make moves. You have that number twelve overall pick to move. You have second and third and fourth round picks that are extras. There's a lot of opportunities to move up and down the board. So we'll see what they have in store. They we one thing we know, they're not afraid to make a move. <laughs> They're not afraid to make a move, so we'll see where the Browns lead long-term. But I honestly do. Miles Garrett has to be number one. And as a sit right now, I can't imagine unless they get blown off their socks, which I can't imagine will happen, that they will move out of that spot and not take them. The Browns, I believe, are better off with just going in the season with Cody Kessler as your starting quarterback. He's not terrible. Is he the future answer? Probably not. But you have a lot of other Oswald. holes that you... <laughs> couldn't resist. Being a know. Broncos fan, I don't miss him at all. Yeah, you I know what? do not miss him at all. Um, he just, we'll see what happens. I, honestly, I'm not time. worried about it one way or the other. Um, it's it's going to be a long off season for the Browns. We'll see. It's going to be a very important end of April when the draft comes and the moves they make. I like the free agent signings. They they help their offensive line tremendously. They try to help the defense some. That's going to be important. They're going to need defensive backs when they make this draft, too. So in the second and third round, expect that. It wouldn't shock me if they uh, if they play it safe and take a tight end, maybe at number 12. I mean, it would make a great – I mean, I think there's some great tight ends available. So but the only thing is that is punting on the quarterback or unless they make a trade for Garofalo. And we'll have to wait and see. It's possible. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have that magic ball. But – they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other because uh, we'll know at the end, you know, end of day two of the draft what the Browns' plans are because I can't imagine a trade not happening before the round two starting if it if it does happen for Garofalo. I don't think it's I don't think it's number twelve. It could be. Mm-mm. I don't think it will be personally. I think that's overpaying for it. But we'll wait and see. They may be desperate. They, you know, and, and a lot of desperate teams do desperate things. The Browns have to make a move one way or the other. The old saying, you have to get off the pot sooner or later. I think they'll make a move to trade Brock Osweiler. And An I insurance policy. And I'm not sure you want to give Bill Belichick a top 15 pick. Yeah. You know, it all depends on how, what moves they make. We'll see. All right. As we uh, about to reach about one hour and 15 minutes here on the, uh, on the pod. So we're going to wrap this up here. We're going to be back next week. Try to get you ready for the NFL draft. We'll definitely have one before then. And talk more Cleveland Indians, more Youngstown State. We're going to get into uh, some different things going on in the Valley. And so we're going to move forward. Look forward to it. Our RadioMVP.com is coming your way. It's being built as we speak. We'll give you a better announcement on that very shortly. We're going to be up on Facebook. Our Twitter is out there. It is RadioMVPPod. That's at Radio MVP Pod. Please follow. Please uh, do, uh, watch us on the internet as we make a, uh, a splash here in Northeast Ohio with uh, the most valuable podcast, Radio MVP. 
Uh, I'm Tim, along with Anthony. I want to thank you all for t- uh, downloading and tuning in, or whatever you want to say these days. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. We've got some great pictures from opening day going to be up on the websites here soon, so you want to check them out. And pictures are from around the valley. We're looking forward to being built. And uh, you catch us on SoundCloud. Uh, that is the, right now the best way to find us. And uh, we will we'll definitely tweet that out and uh, let you know exactly how to find us. And, uh, Anthony, last uh, thoughts? No, not really. Uh, just good to be back after a couple-week break there. Um, you know, drafting is always an important time for every team. You can find guys that help you right away. And uh, baseball getting back up, now that's my favorite sport. Uh, and hopefully the Indians have a fun summer at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. So until next week. I'll turn over to you to finish this off and uh, take us home. All right, Anthony. I'm Tim. Thank you for the download and the listen. You can find us on SoundCloud at Radio MVP. You can find us on the web on Twitter at Radio MVP Pod. I'm Tim Contaneza for Anthony Kepley. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.